0: Welcome to HR Latte, your podcast connection to all things HR. Caring for people is imperative for today's progressive business. Listen in as Rayanne Thornkruger gets personal with practitioners and technologists, experts and thought leaders who care about the world of human resources, hiring and employee engagement. And now, sit back and sip your next cup of talent management blended to perfection.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to HR Latte. We are kicking off Black History Month with a very dear friend of mine, Torin Ellis. Hey Torin. How are you? I am doing really well. How are you?
2: You can put me in the good category. Listen, COVID free, family is healthy. Oh,
1: I'm so proud of you.
2: (laughs) I'm just trying to tell you off to an incredible start in Q1. I'm excited and thank you for having me for sure.
1: That is amazing. Now, Torin, you and I met, gosh, back in, I think we met in 2013, but we got and had an opportunity to work together in 2014 when I was working for a company in New York. And we put together a project. You were the MC for a project at the Baltimore Library for me. And I just want to thank you again for participating in that and helping me out. Thank you.
2: Absolutely. I think that was the first time that you got A chance to see Baltimore City. Am I correct on that?
1: That is correct. I had a really amazing, heartfelt experience there. I met so many beautiful people. My team with the company that I was with at the time were were all young kids, and we drove around the city and saw some devastation and saw a great deal of beauty. It was really a profound experience for me and a kind of a turning point in my life. You know, I had a bad experience with an organization, and this part. Of that experience, though, will forever live with me as a beautiful, beautiful experience. And huge part of that was spending time with you.
2: Well, you know, and again, just real quick, I know you're in the beginning of introducing, you know, this particular episode of, of HR Latte. But when I think about the city, I, of course, I drive through some mm-hmm. of the nefarious parts. I drive right. through some of the places that are a bit beat up and downtrodden. I also drive through the areas where everything is well manicured and big homes, and sure. shiny glass and all of that. And, and what I will tell you is that in all of that, I love my city. I think the thing that is most disappointing for me is the, and this is so much of a general statement, Raeann, but the thing that disappoints me the most is that I feel like too many individuals don't think it's possible. Oh. And you can fill in whatever you'd like around it. I just think that too many don't feel it's possible and they languish in what is versus they give what up. can be.
1: They give up in trying or moving forward. And that's the area that I drove through with these, I'll call them kids, but they were all early 20s. That's kids to you and I, right? Sure. Sure. When we drove through those certain areas, and I mean, I had tears rolling down my face and I saw the type of people that you just described, they were downtrodden, they had given up, maybe one person every five homes was sitting on their porch and they just looked dejected and sad. And I'm telling you, it was so impactful for me and changed my life in a really profound way. And we can talk more about that later, but I want to jump in and I really would love for you to introduce yourself now. Give us the elevator pitch. Tell us who you are, what you do, and why we should listen to
2: you. Torinella's diversity strategist and risk mitigator. I coach, I consult, I speak all across the globe around diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. I say to people, Raeanne, that I am different in the DNI space than anybody else that you are going to bump into, that you are going to engage, that you are going to work with. And that's not a knock on any of them. No, it's not said to impress you or the listeners. It just simply is to reinforce that I move differently. My frequency is different. My cadence is different. My energy and honesty is different. I absolutely move differently. And it's because I'm centered around something with a different experience. I'm centered around the humanity in this. I'm centered around love. And so I absolutely appreciate, adore, and committed to the work that I do. That's what folks that are listening need to know about me.
1: And that's one of the reasons why I wanted you to be on HR Latte and the biggest reason why I find it necessary to reach out to you from time to time just to center me and help me. I have learned so much from you. So thank you. Thank you for the influence that you've been on me, the influence that you've had on the human resources and recruiting industries and how you have taken your experience your knowledge the feelings that you have the love that you have for this as you just clearly stated brought them all together combined them whirled it around in a blender and thrown it out to the world to say look we can change we can make a difference we can help everybody everybody to understand the power behind DEI and that particular department at any organization or you coming in and consulting or other consultants coming in and making a difference so thank you thank you for seeing the need not hesitating, jumping in, and being a part of that. Thank you.
2: Yeah, and you're welcome. And it's not just a department, but DEIB, period. I want diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging to be felt across the entire franchise. Not just work. I want every, that's right, not just one department. I want every single person in an organization, no matter what business unit you are in, no matter what department or team you are aligned with, I want you, no matter what industry you are in, geography, I want everybody to feel the impact and the beauty of diversity and inclusion. So that's how I approach the work, trying to get as many in this equation on this journey as possible.
1: And you are doing a fine, fine job, sir. And I will continue to follow you. And that's it's why Folks like me need to continue to listen, to read, to watch, to act, and to do our own part wherever we are working, wherever we are living, to continue to do our part to help this continue to roll forward and to improve, 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 improve as Jackie Clayton says, iterate, iterate, iterate. <laughs> you know. That's right. That's and you right. you and I talked a little bit about not being performative in what you do. What does that mean to not be performative when it comes to DEI efforts?
2: Yeah, performative for me is celebrating the advancements that we are making in artificial intelligence, blockchain, and platform companies, and celebrating folks that are going in outer space billionaires floating around and having fun for 10, 20 seconds out of space Mm -hmm. and then coming back down to earth. And we are still dealing with children in cages and we are dealing with women still being undercompensated versus their male colleagues. We are still dealing with black and brown individuals and other marginalized communities, underrepresented communities, not being given the opportunity, the development, the inspiration, and the support that they need. Performative is looking at those audiences and grandstanding in a way that is only through your press release and not through your action. It's only through your reaction and not through your preventative nature, your intentional nature. Performative just simply says, it's soft. I'm kind of playing with this thing on the perimeter. Hmm. I'm not really, really serious about it. It's almost like when you were a child, your parent would say, don't touch the fire, don't touch the stove because you're going to get hot. Mm -hmm. Well, performative is, you know, sitting at the kitchen table and not really being inside of the kitchen. Performative is pulling down the ingredients, but not helping us to really mix it and to make whatever it is that we are making. Far too many are sitting on the fringes of this work and not being a part of this work.
1: And they think it's enough. They think that what they're doing, what they're saying, not even what they're doing, what they're saying, what they're promoting is enough. And it's not enough.
2: No, it's not enough. And again, it's not to suggest for one to stop saying or doing what little bit is being done. And I don't even want to say what little bit because I don't want people to feel like they're being attacked. Sure, Sure. I'm not suggesting that people pull back from what it is that they are contributing. I'm saying we need to do more. That's it. I'll give you an example. How long has Colin Kaepernick been out of the NFL? It's certainly been four or five years at this particular point. We had CEOs that would symbolically take a knee in their organization, whether that had been in a closed-door meeting, whether it had been written about in the press. They took a knee, but you didn't go back to really look at pay equity for women. You didn't go back and look at promotional opportunity for marginalized communities. You didn't go back and demand that people in your organization actually looked at, well, who's being strategically mentored and sponsored in the organization? So you can't just take the knee and then not go back into the organization and do what's required to hold people accountable. I guess that's probably the glue. Mm, Hold people accountable. That's it. We're missing that piece.
1: And we could talk about just this, that one statement (laughs) for many, many hours. I think we could talk forever about it. We could sit around a, a campfire. We could sit around the phone right now. We could meet together in a conference room. We could talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. And will that make a difference though? So let's talk about some other things. And then I want to circle back to that and talk to you about the whole CEO aspect and the contribution that they can make to making a difference, making, moving forward with actual changes not just talk right yeah i'm one of those people that's not afraid to and you remember our friend chris fields chris was my sounding board and i would just call him and say hey chris should i i mean is it okay to say african american anymore is it okay to should i call you black should we say people of color what's the right thing to say you know and he always set me straight and and would say ran you need to ask the individual talk to the individual that you're talking to and ask them about that. Find out what they are comfortable with. And if you care about them at all, then you will listen to their response and you will remember it. So for future conversations, future interactions, you're actually meeting them where they need to be met. In doing a little research for Black History Month, I visited the government website, uh, type in Black History Month, and it takes you to African American History Month. So has that changed? Because I don't remember it being called that. And what is the right thing to call it? What should we call it? Because I'm continuing to say Black History Month because that seems to be what everybody else is calling February. So what are your thoughts about that?
2: Awesome. So first and foremost, rest in peace to Chris Fields. I can give you a personal story on him. I will say that he is a person who believed in me and his belief in me, you know, showed him returns over and over and over again. And I'm glad that we were able to establish and then build a very close relationship. So rest in peace, Miss Grisfields. Second thing I'll say is to the question, I agree. To the question that you asked him, I'm just happy with a person calling me by my name. Like when we think <laughs> about some of these titles, BIPOC and BAME over in Europe, When we think about calling people or we're typing on our email correspondence and other web collateral material, we'll type Latin X when many in that community prefer Latina, Latin, L-A-T-I-N-E. I I want to try to stay away from parsing how we refer to people. First and foremost, let me just call you by your name. Let's start there. And then as it relates to Black History Month, African-American History Month. I'm not concerned with what we call it, Rayanne. I'm more concerned with after the month is over, are you exhibiting the type of commitment, zest, zeal, concern, genuineness, authenticity? Are you exhibiting that for me and for others like me throughout the year? Or are you simply showing this deference, this interest at a particular time through the year? And whether it be Black History Month, which I know we are talking about, or International Women's Day or Women's Month or Pride Month in June or National Disability Employee Awareness Month in October and I can go on, I want you to be concerned about humanity all the time. That's what I'm focused on. So the government, listen, they operate differently. If they wanna call it African American History Month, God bless them, let them do that. Most people that I know call it Black History Month. There are others that may refer to it in other ways, connected to the diaspora. But I'm just happy that we're celebrating it even more happy if we can be committed to it year round.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Thank you for reviewing that. I just try to be open with me so that I am continually learning. I think sometimes many people, and I'm not going to call out a race or a type of person, many people will just sit back and say, well, I'm not that and I know all I need to know. And I'm continually trying to stuff my brain, my old brain, <laughs> with information so that I can take care of those around me and those that I love and help them. Absolutely. I think you and I come at it with the same purpose, with very intentional love and guidance and a want to help and improve, consistently improve. And, and really, let's get to the heart of what it is. It's progress. We can't progress if we stop listening or we think we know everything we need to know.
2: As my man, Mr. Derek Zeller would say, another one that I would say, rest in peace to, yes. Derek Zeller would say, true story.
1: True story. Absolutely. Hashtag true story.
2: <laughs> so I have uh,
1: another quick question for you. What do you think is missing? Torrin, what do you think is missing in today's conversation? there's a lot of conversations. I mean, I scroll through my LinkedIn, through Facebook, through Twitter. A lot of conversations are happening around DEI. But what's missing in today's conversations about changes that need to happen to businesses, to government, to professionals to individuals? What do you think is missing?
2: There's two ways that I would respond to that. Let me take the easiest way first. The easiest thing that I think is missing is that incompetent individuals are leading too many of these conversations. Mm. They don't have the experience, whether it be from actually in corporate America and combining it with real life. They haven't been a student, as you just mentioned a moment ago enough of a student, you know, pouring through blog posts and white papers and academic research and what others have done. I think it's too many incompetent people leading some of these conversations, being placed in these leadership roles or programmatic roles. And in the end, that incompetency is doing more harm than doing good because they're not able to marshal the resources. They're not able to wield the type of influence and power or cachet necessary to make things move, to get things shaken. And so folks continue to be disappointed. So I think the incompetency is something that you ask what's missing. So I gave you something that's present that actually I gave you something present that should be missing. That's the way, that's one way to look at it. But what's missing, we don't have leadership enough making a declarative statement, being willing to allocate or reallocate resources. And the most important piece, hold folks accountable. We don't have those three things. We have leaders that may do a press release, but again, they're not, moving money to support d efforts. They're not building internal teams to support the EIB efforts, or they're giving a little bit of money to ERGs, but they're not holding hiring managers accountable. They're not holding the recruitment marketing team accountable for developing collateral material, social posts that speak to the company's current culture and journey and where they've gone and grown. So, Those three pieces are missing. We need decorative leadership, a reallocation of resources, that would be dollars and headcount, and we need for you to hold people accountable. And, Raeann, I will tell you, the easiest way that you can hold folks accountable that does not cost any money is to simply ask every employee in your organization, what did you do to support our efforts? towards diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging.
1: That seems pretty simple.
2: If I'm a leader <laughs> and I've made this declarative statement, sure. whether it be only internal or perhaps if it's external facing, if I'm a leader and I've placed my flag in the ground and now I go across the franchise and ask every, I don't care if it's 100, 1,000, 10,000, 125,000, Every single person on their performance evaluation, what did you do to support our effort around d i Hey, listen, I can say nothing.
1: Most people will say nothing.
2: <laughs> they might, but you can best, if I care anything about my organization, my role, my presence, if I care anything about that, I'm going to take a moment and say to myself, I don't know if I want to answer nothing again next year. Right. So let me see if I can turn it up a little bit. Now, you may have some folks out there that are saying, I ain't doing nothing this year. I ain't doing nothing next year. I ain't doing nothing the year after that. Fine. We can deal with those individuals separately. But most people, Rayanne, are going to say, I ain't trying to say nothing two years in a row. I'm not trying to have a zero next to that category two years in a row. It doesn't cost us anything. And yet it enrolls so many people. In the work of diversity and inclusion, the journey of building culture, the beauty of increasing employee engagement and being more productive, just ask one question. That's what's missing.
1: It's a powerful, powerful question, too. And I don't want to say nothing. I don't want to, you know, say I I failed. I want to say that I tried, that I pushed forward. I pushed forward, progressed. I progressed past what I was the year before, what I did the year before. I've never really asked anybody this, and I think you're a perfect person to ask. What does the B part of D-E-I-B mean to you?
2: Yeah, so for those out there who may not be familiar with the letter B being added to D-E-I-B, D is in David, E-I-B, the boy, it stands for belonging. And belonging, Rayanne, for me, belonging simply means people around me, the organization that I'm associated with, They absolutely make me feel like this is where I should be hanging my hat. This is where I feel fulfilled. This is where I get as much work joy as I possibly can get. I'm fully, fully engaged here. I feel like I'm being developed and supported by the people in my reporting structure. I see a pathway to new opportunity, new challenges. And those things are being placed in front of me. And I'm being encouraged to go after them. That's what belonging looks like. Belonging is in some way, and I know it sounds a bit Pollyannish, but belonging in some way is, man, I sure don't want this party to end. Oh, Mm. wow, the week is over already? Man, I enjoy being. That's what belonging feels like to me. Belonging is an incredible relationship. No, I can't. Necessarily call it family. Some folks say it's work is work, family is family. Make sure you separate the two. I get it. I'm cool with that. But I have some sense of this is a really, really good place. Inclusion is I'm there. I'm there, but God knows I ain't really like feeling it. I'm not really relating with other people. They don't necessarily relate to me. I'm not being told about certain things. Inclusion is just, it's a presence. But it's not that feeling of like, this right here is like, this is good. That's what belonging is for me.
1: When you think about the those acronym, you know, that acronym in particular, those initials, D-E-I-B, is there an initial missing? Is there something else that should be added to D-E-I-B?
2: Uh, by the time you drop this recording, it might be there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because let me tell you something. It was D and I for the longest. And then the first time that I heard IND was back in 2014. And it was something that I was hearing from some of my contacts connections in Europe. I actually had not heard IND from a U.S.-based person. It was someone from Europe Mm. that challenged me with the IND piece. It may have already been here. I just hadn't run into it. I don't really get into the semantics of the letter I'm not trying to be one of these management consulting gurus who's changing something just for the sake of changing it because I want my name to trend. I want to be considered the father of this particular thing. That's not where I am. So I'm sure if you hit another or enough audiences and communities,
0: mm-hmm. they
2: may feel like there's something missing. Quite frankly, I don't even know the history or the origin of the B. I don't even know who added that. But I also don't know who and or the origin of after the Q, the IA plus. And right, there's actually right, a couple right. of other letters there. You know right, what I'm saying? So right. I don't even know the origin of how those were added or who added them. I just know that we say them now. And so I don't know. There may be something missing. But for now, to me, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging sounds pretty good.
1: I love it. So we are having a completely organic, unrehearsed, conversation I sent you some areas that I want to cover some bullet points but I know you didn't look at them and so so I think that individuals that are listening right now are going to understand why I asked this next question okay from the moment I met you and from our very first conversation and I think it was over Skype our very first conversation you have come across as just incredibly poised professional one of the most honest and open individuals that I've ever met that I've ever known I felt an instant attraction to you and by that I mean we are drawn to certain people we decide that they are going to be in our lives in our work but also outside of our works we want them to be our friends we want them to be in our circle and one of the things that happened for me is I felt that instant attraction to you as a a powerful professional individual that I could learn from, right? And I want to know how, when you are confronted with things that happen today in 2022, things that happen to continue to happen today, how do you, torn maintain that professionalism, that poise, that powerful image of yourself? How do you maintain that without getting angry, without getting pissed off that at some of the crap that is still happening. What is your secret? How do you do it?
2: Oh, oh, because I'm honest about it. There were, um, earlier in the month, I did a presentation for a private client. Uh, Don't know exactly how many people were on the broadcast, but it was a corporate-wide event. And I woke up and, you know, did my presentation. And somewhere in the presentation, I shared with them what I had to cycle through that morning to get my frequency back because I was extremely disappointed with our political system in that instance I talked about you know I made reference I pointed to that disappointment I called it what it was let them know that it was it was but I also associated and connected it to culture because we look at culture as the sanitized Thing that happened and is formed only in our organization at the break room in the corporate corridor while we're standing around the water fountain in our meetings at the big table in the glass room. No, corporate culture is never formed there. Corporate culture is formed at our home, in our condition, in our circumstances. I needed the leadership team and every other person that was listening to understand I was pissed off this morning, yeah, or that particular morning, and I had to settle. So that I could bring something positive to this conversation and not be influenced, impacted by my anger. So how do I do that? I don't hold it. I let that out. And I let Let it it out. That's right. I let it out in a variety of ways. I'll let it out on social media. I'll let it out perhaps in a conversation that I may have with some of my friends on Clubhouse. I may let it out through our podcast with Julie that I do with Julie Sawash, Crazy and the Kings. We talk about these stories from week to week to week. Right. Uh, I may let it out in a video that I may drop on one of the social platforms. I let it out. I don't really hold it. I speak to it. And I think that that is critical. It's vital because, Rayanne, I will tell you, there have been so many things that have pissed me off, mm. frustrated me <laughs> to no end, disappointed me beyond being disappointed made me feel like a bit of a failure, an imposter, ask, why am I doing this? There have been a number of things that have almost made me throw in the towel around D&I. I can't begin to tell you, you know, the cycle of emotion and what this journey has taken from me, yeah. but I also understand and feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So the only thing that I can tell you is I let it out.
1: You are so, so poised all the time. And so I appreciate you sharing that little secret, <laughs> even though it shouldn't be a secret. We should all be honest anyway. I approach life the same way. And I don't try to, like you, I sometimes feel like, how do I keep going? Someone's going to find out that I'm not who I say I am or who I promote that I am, you know, that that whole imposter syndrome, you know, they're going to figure out that I got pissed off yesterday, that I yelled at my dog, that I, you know, <laughs> that I didn't exercise when I said I would, that I did you know, there's all these different things that happen in our lives that remind us that we're human, we're human beings. And so it's nice to know that even and Ellis is a human being and and gets pissed off because it's, it's easy to not confront that. It, maybe it isn't easy for you, but I think it's easy for many people to just ignore and pretend that that didn't happen or that it doesn't impact me. So why should yeah. I care?
2: Right. Absolutely. And I think all of us are guilty of that, Ray. Honestly, I'll give an example. I don't know the name of the church. I think it was over in Paris. There was a beautiful church that burned uh, a couple of years ago.
1: Notre Dame. And
2: I don't remember. And people were changing their, you know, social media images. Sure. Yes. Avatars to this particular church. I'm like, I don't know enough. Don't give a damn to know enough. And so again, that's certainly not hoping that any individual lost their life or right. anything. But I'm not going. So, there, so we all have these periods where things are less of less importance to us. I will say to you, though, I try my best to be connected to things that are human related, humanity related, a building burning. I don't really I ain't gonna really get into an uproar around that. <laughs> but you killing people at a border, even if it's not in my country, right. I feel I'm concerned about that. So I just feel like we all have these things that are of less importance to us. I feel like we can just be a bit more human. I think we are lacking in our humanity.
1: Agreed. So you're you're such a great storyteller and I'm wondering if you could share one more story with us. Let's let's think about maybe a project that you were part of or instrumental in where you saw a shift happen, a real change or a shift in thinking or a shift in culture?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I actually gave the example already. I won't mention the client, but when I talked about the whole adding the performance evaluation and and one of the things that I will add to that story, you know, asking the question on the performance evaluation of what did you do to support our D&I mm, efforts. Yes, yes. It actually was. It was actually an on the fly suggestion. It wasn't <laughs> something that I had tried before. I just felt like, and this is with a very large logo, worldwide logo. A known entity. Absolutely. And I said, well, let me just try it. And part of the reason why we got there is because they kept asking me we wanna be best in class, we wanna be best in class, we wanna be best in class. And I think it was probably the 10th time that they had said that in this particular call, it was one of our first calls. And I said, well, exactly what is best in class? I said, because when I think about best in class, I don't think of you and the organization as modeling or emulating what that company is doing or that company is doing, because even in doing that, it still will show up different in your workplace, with your people, in your geography. There's just a number of factors that go to that. Listen, there's certain things that are going to be A, B, and C. They're going to be basic blocking and tackling no matter where you put them, Right. be in the different industry, whatever. But if we want to be best in class, let's just be better than we've been. Let's try that. Let's let that be our barometer. Let's be better than we have been. And I said, so what I want to see in the end of this engagement, by the time we get to the end of this engagement, you have added this question, which is, what did you do to support our DNI efforts to every single person's performance evaluation? And what they saw, twelve months after adding that question, this was like in 2017. What they saw in, and twelve is too short, and Honestly, it was like sixteen or so months when I got like an update. What they saw was higher engagement, they saw lower attrition, and they saw more referrals coming through people in the organization. Higher engagement, lower attrition, and more referrals coming through the organization. That's great. You could take those three right there, and there is a dollar that could be attached to that.
1: Sure. Sure. And maybe some people only respond to the dollar, right? <laughs> some people only respond to, with data that is in the financial column.
2: All day long. We didn't have to replace them. We didn't have to reskill them. There were so many things we didn't have to do, right. dollar signs. More engaged, so that means that they're doing better in their work, whether they're being more efficient, whether they're closing more cases, whatever. There's dollar signs attached to all of that, some indirectly, directly, It was a beautiful scenario. So again, I think we make diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging painful. We tend to make it punitive. Mm. And therefore, people are paralyzed and not doing anything. And so I want it to be promising so folks participate.
1: Yeah, love it. Love it, love it, love it. Okay, I've been working on a project. And this is how you and I reconnected again in 2022 is this project that I'm working on with Humanly. And it's a huge celebration of Black HR, DEI recruiting leaders and asking them a single question that you helped us come up with. So I want to ask you that question now. And that is, as a Black leader, what changes would you like CEOs to focus on in 2022?
2: I don't know what I shared with you before, but I'm going to share this with you right now. What changes would I like to see from CEOs in 2022? that diversity and inclusion is not a throwaway that is not a project that is not a throwaway that it's not a one off i want diversity and inclusion from executives to be who the organization is because again when i pick up a crayon box you know oftentimes we'll say people of color right and when we say people of color then the the immediate thought is that well they're talking about black folks or they're talking about brown folks or they're talking about asians As a white person, they're not talking about me. But when I pick up a crayon box, there's a white crayon in the box. And so I need people to understand that diversity and inclusion has and always will include you. Now, do we need to center you? No, because you've been centered in too many of the conversations from the dawn of time. Right. But you are still included in the conversation. So I want CEOs to. Not have D and I be a one-off, a throwaway, a project or a program. I want it to be who the organization is.
1: You know that's something that white folks have have been trying to understand is that it's not people of color only. you know, it's not black lives matter only. It means they matter. They matter. and don't That's right. Don't dismiss it as it's replacing you. I've heard somebody say it's it's not a pie. There's a piece for everyone and they are not going to run out of pie.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: As we wrap up here, what recommendations would you give somebody who is just starting on their own personal journey of understanding DEIB and how they can not make it a project, not make it a thoroughfare, but actually make it part of standard operations, part of their every day, every work day, every home life thought. It's just part of our life. What do you recommend? Are there books that you recommend? Should we listen? Obviously, we should be listening to Crazy and the King, Would you need to tell us where we can listen to that. And then also, are there webinars we can follow? Just give us a, just a few pieces, a few resources that would help those that are trying to learn.
2: Absolutely. Crazyandtheking.com is where you can find our podcasts and/or you can subscribe on platforms like iTunes, Spotify, and others. But again, crazyandtheking.com. We drop a new episode every Thursday. Okay. A book that I would highly encourage people to read is The Color of Law by Richard Rothstein. Something else that I would encourage that people look at is The 1619 Project by Nicole Hannah Jones. And then what I would say to people, is in that vein of curiosity because that's really what the reading and the listening and the suggestions that's really around supporting curiosity. I'm telling people, be curious. Yep. Go in places where you have not historically traditionally gone. Don't continue to serve yourself the same listening and viewing and research and reading diet. Try different mediums, different periodicals, different platforms, different personalities. Try different. Be curious. But in that curiosity, you have to allow progress is about allowing those that are suffering to speak their truth. And so you may not like what it is that you are reading. You may not feel like your family had anything to do with this or that. You may not like the fact that the organization is focusing or intensifying their effort around recruiting a certain audience or demographic, you may not like that, but progress is about allowing people that are suffering to speak their truth. You gotta trust that I'm not being flamboyant, I'm not being verbose and hyperbolic, that I'm actually telling you the truth when I say I've been passed over for promotion after promotion after promotion. You have to trust that I am not embellishing the fact that I really am not making what my colleagues are making. And yet I'm equally as qualified, equally as proficient, equally as productive. You have to allow people that are suffering and living what it is to be able to speak their truth without you getting in your emotions. So I want people to be curious and not be fragile.
1: Be curious and not be fragile. What a beautiful sentiment to wrap this Episode up with, and I can't thank you enough. And I will say one more thing, Torin, because of the losses that we've all experienced over the last two years, you know, and and we spoke about two of them, Christopher Fields and Derek Zeller. I don't want us ever to become complacent. You know, every day we get caught up in the everyday where we are not allowed or we forget to touch base and we forget to just send a word out and say, hey, I love you. Thank you for being in my life. So this is me this month saying that to you. Thank you, Torin. I love you. Thank you for being a part of my life. Thank you for educating me consistently on what I can do better and how I can continue to progress myself. And so I really appreciate your thoughts, your knowledge, the knowledge bombs that you drop on a consistent basis. Thank you.
2: And thank you for allowing me to be just a tip of one of the spears. You know, when we (laughs) when we look at that learning that is taking place, it's almost like, you know, you, Rayanne, are pulling out the arrow and you are shooting at the target of interest and I get to be the tip of one of those arrows. And so I appreciate and love you for allowing me to be here. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you, sir. Thanks for joining me on HR Latte. We will continue the conversation and we'll see you next time
0: thanks for listening to this episode of HR Latte. This podcast is brought to you by Never Enough Media and is produced by host Rayanne Thorn Kruger. Our editor is Igor Kuzmanovsky and Dick Dalecki as our announcer. With featured music, Grab a Coffee and Go by Tiny Music. Special thanks to those who have made HR Latte possible over the years with their ideas, support and feedback.